Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. We are, of course, looking at John Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. And joining us today, we have Nick Exposito from the Fantasy Flicks League. Hey, Nick. Hi, guys. How are you? Nick! Welcome. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me. It's about time. It's going to be a fun uh, a fun week. We get to talk about the end of the movie and, uh, I guess, some credits. <laughs> Lots of credits. <laughs> yes, indeed. It's, uh, but uh, on today's show, we're looking at Minute 116. The minute starts with Tony buying into Agent Coulson's cover story, and it ends with the end of an awkward moment between Tony and Pepper. Oh, awkward moments. Aww. They do them well. <laughs> I really like this scene for the fact that it shows Tony Stark being excited about being a superhero, which you don't really see a lot in a lot of superhero films, especially, well, if you want to compare, you know, the DC universe, which I guess is the only other major comparison. Um, Everyone seems so dour, like they're burdened by these powers, but he seems like I'm Iron Man. I can't believe it. It's fun the way that he plays that in this scene, the way he's just like, oh, you know, I kind of like it. I kind of like this. Well, I mean, he's talking, he starts off talking about this cover story, this whole bodyguard uh, cover story that Agent Coulson gave him. And and he seems to kind of like buy into it. And, and the way that he and Pepper play it, where she's just like, you're not Iron Man. He's like, yeah, whatever you want, you know, <laughs> it's it's great. And then that whole thing, I, I not only do they play with that notion of him being kind of excited about it, but this whole kind of conversation about, you know, the relationship with the girlfriend that the typical superhero story gives us, right? Right. Where, you know, it, which they kind of, he has that great conversation about it. It's kind of, uh, again, this scene does a great job of kind of subverting those expectations. It's really fun. They're both chewing their lips in this scene, and I love it so much. Like, the way she smiles when she says, you're not Iron Man, right? The nod and a wink between the two of them, I think sets us up for such a, a fun relationship between the two of them over the subsequent films that is just, it's it's kind of heartwarming. You know, and I I love that it starts here and it, it really plays out, uh, you know, to, to something that I think is really meaningful in the in the very recent movies. You know, there's there's a great sorrow in, in where they are right now. And as we're recording this, we're still waiting uh, for for Endgame. But, you know, what's going to happen? Yeah. How is the relationship going to evolve or end, perhaps? Yeah. Oh, don't say that. That makes me sad. And it just it's it starts right here. There's like that glowing kind of warmth that starts right here as she pulls his jacket up over his shoulders. And I I really love that. I also like her delivery at the end. You know, she's giving this sort of sweet speech about how they had this tender moment. And then the way her mood instantly changes as she says, you know, when you left me or. Yeah, it's and that uh, I think works really nicely with the way that John Favreau has shown time and time again throughout this film how he handles these these uh, uh, switches uh, these he plays with these moments where you have uh, everything leaning toward like a great hero moment or in this case a really cute romantic moment and then he twists it and uses it for comedy and he does that so well throughout the film consistently it's just it's a nice Favreau touch that he's always doing and it Per, if it, it works so perfectly with these two characters, the way that it, it has this romantic feel and then and you left me, you know, just the way that she she turns is, it. <laughs> is that the one you're talking about? Is that the night? Oh, God. Uh, it is just 
uh, oh, it's just crushing because how, you know, how many times have you been in Tony's shoes right here with the, the big foot in your mouth because you forgot something important and uh, that she remembers it so clearly. Like you can tell it's always been right on the tip of her tongue, right? Just ready to call that oh, up yeah. when she needs it. And uh, uh, it, it's perfect. The way that it was scripted, as I mentioned last time, there was no Agent Coulson in the scene when it was originally scripted. So that didn't happen. It was just Tony and Pepper. And she was the one who came up with this alibi and everything with him on the yacht, all that. And, uh, and, and so it's, it's interesting how that portion is completely left out. But by the time we get to this moment, the way that it's scripted is it's almost like they wanted it to play like there's a moment here, but it's like the dialogue is not there. It's, it's written for a moment. There's nothing else in the world, but the two of them. Then with a tinge of or actually it starts with him saying, you know, that night at the concert hall, do you ever think about it? And then it has that moment, uh, nothing in the world but the two of them. Then with a tinge of sadness, Pepper says, I don't know what you're talking about, Mr. Stark. She brings her hands up and fixes his unruly tie knot, all business. And then it goes back to the the callback to the line earlier. Will that be all, Mr. Stark? That will be all, Miss Potts, which we had back when she, uh, after she replaces the uh, RT device in his chest, and he tells her to throw it away. Um, so it's it's weird how how kind of badly written it is, and it's I think it speaks to the improv that they did on set to kind of really find the way that they wanted this scene to play. Uh, Favreau said that he probably had about three versions of this scene that it was just completely improvised, three versions that he loved. And this is the one that he thought was the best. Yeah, you can tell they're really, uh, you know, sort of having that improv moment and just kind of reacting off what each other's saying and their emotions. Uh, you know, I think it's great. And kind of going back to what you said, Andy, about the theme of or or how, you know, John Favreau interjects all these like little moments of comedy into serious moments. Uh, you know, this it really shows how much this film set the tone for the rest of the Marvel Universe and their films to come. Now, I guess you could argue they're getting a little darker as we're coming around here towards the end. But it this movie really is the template for everything else that's going to follow. Yeah, the way that kind of that relationship is. And, and uh, you know, I, I saw somebody had written something. I think one of our listeners posted over in our Facebook group, the TNR MMM Executive Lounge, for those of you who wanted to look for it. <laughs> nice. Horribly named. We'll have to come up with a new name for that one of these days. The Green Room, maybe. Um, yeah, something mm. better than that. Um, and actually, maybe it's not there. I don't know where it was, but um, but it was a post about somebody had tweeted about Iron Man and just kind of the the way that the character uh, really was kind of the first time that they uh, injected a, kind of that hint of irony and kind of an ironic tone to the character, and they allowed Tony Stark to really have that, which uh, was so different than what we had normally seen in superheroes. It was always just kind of that overly heroic sense or kind of that eager, ready to help everybody sort of thing. And this was, a, there was a little twist to Iron Man. And that really did also help kind of set an overall arcing tone for the way that uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe would end up uh, feeling a very different vibe than what we had in, in the DC heroes and things like that. Do you think that's because of them casting Robert Downey Jr. to play this role? I think that there's definitely a part of that. I mean, I, the amount of kind of that improv and and kind of the the way that they allowed him to kind of find the character and everything. I think there's a lot of what we got from him 
that led to that. I, I don't know. It's hard to say if it's strictly because of that, but I certainly think that that was a big part of it. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Andy. I think, you know, his casting really kind of led a lot of credence to the character, or not credence, but a lot of him to inject his own personality into the character. And you, yeah. it, it, and even if you read past Iron Man comics, you know, Tony Stark was definitely they more of the businessman, the serious guy, the smart guy in the room, and not so much this kind of playboy, you know, sort of up to his antics sort of person that they definitely tease and they hint at as, you know, he tries to find himself as who he wants to be as Iron Man throughout this movie. And I, uh, I one that's one thing that's, I guess, that I would like to have seen more in subsequent movies, uh, you know, two, three, whatever, is that I think I like that they established the Pepper Tony relationship, but I think they established it a little too early. I would have liked to have seen it maybe develop a little more and have Tony be more of that playboy billionaire philanthropist kind of cocky self, uh, you, know, you know, play a superhero as uh, as that kind of character for like maybe one one and a half more movies. Because I think that I think that fits who Robert Downey Jr. is. Just I think he could have really taken that some some cool places. You know, that's such an interesting uh, bit of commentary, Nick, because I, I was watching, you know, I'm super amped for Endgame. And so I've been watching a lot of the cast, like press tour right now. And uh, one of the most interesting comments, I think, came from uh, it was either Scarlett Johansson or Karen Gillan, who said, uh, you know, they were asked, what are you going to miss most about, you know, the production of these films? And they're all very cagey about, well, we don't know what's going to happen next. Yada, yada, right. yada. But the answer ultimately came down to, um, Robert uh, is like he has this like chef and brings them to the set and feeds people like he just occasionally will show up and throw a food party. And uh, the interviewer said he's he's like Tony Stark. And she said, oh, he is Tony Stark of all the fantastic <laughs> roles that Robert Downey Jr. has played. This one is the one that is the easiest for him to navigate because it's his identity. This is who he is. He's he's crazy and incredibly innovative and generous with his resources and kind to his friends and loyal, but he's also this kind of kooky, rich, industrialist guy <laughs> that is just really easy to put those shoes on. So I, I think that's uh I, I think that's one of the most interesting bits of of you know casting again, as you said, to define what these movies end up being around him. And I don't I don't know that they gave him enough of to your point, enough of an opportunity to stretch those particular wings in Iron Man 2. Like we get some right. of it. And sure. I'm really excited to see it again. It's been a long time. Uh, because I think there I think there are some things that they do in Iron Man 2. Maybe I mean I can't see now, I can't even remember. Um, where, you know, we get to see a little bit more raw Tony Stark stuff. Um but but this particular guy is uh he's He's a he's a different breed, and he he sets the sets the stage. the The only thing that I would you know that I would question in going that route because I think you're right. I think it would be interesting to kind of have had more of that before the Tony Pepper relationship really kicked in. But I feel like there would have been a potential for it to kind of turn into a uh, a James Bondy sort of character, where you know he's betting a different women or several different women in every movie before finally setting settling down with Pepper, you know, down the road. And then all of a sudden I feel like I would feel a little grosser about all of that. That's, yeah. It's there, you know, but still. Yeah. 
Well, you know, and that's funny because that does get us to the DC comparison so handily. Like when you look at at Batman and, uh, you know, the women that come in and out of of Wayne Manor as a result of him playing a role. Right. right. I mean, he has these it, like his role is when he takes the mask off, you know, like he's playing a character. It's it's such an such an interesting dichotomy where here, I mean, they anchor this you know, monogamous relationship so early in this series of 22 movies that becomes something that we can rely on as the audience. And I do. I think that's really nice. Batman's an interesting point. Do you think that that was part of the reason that they made this shift so it didn't feel like that? Yeah, because, you know, Tony Stark is the character himself is the reverse Batman in a way, you know. Mm And, yeah, this makes them stand out because, yeah, you look at the aside from maybe the Nolan films, but you look at past Batman films. Yeah, there's always been that new girl coming in, almost like a Bond girl. And this really sets, yes, sets it apart by, you know, having that committed relationship at the beginning. So he doesn't have to have that direct Bruce Wayne comparison. It definitely separates him from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a, it is a really interesting comparison, and and I, I feel like I like what they did with with Tony and Pepper. And actually, I think the reason I end up liking it, uh, maybe even if they didn't go that route where it waited a couple films to really uh, do anything, is the fact that they don't wrap it up with a romance. Right? You have this great moment in this scene that we're looking at where she kind of reminds him at how bad he is at romance and and you know kind of says yeah you left me there and that's it and she just kind of sends him on his way and he's just like he gives that great uh look after after she calls him out and he just kind of rolls his eyes like oh yep i screwed that one up you know and it's it's a it's a nice little nice little moment and it doesn't end with the hero and the and the girl kissing at the end of the movie right this Mm -hmm. is this is kind of the final moment that we have between these two other than a brief moment later of her kind of watching the the press conference that's it and it, it doesn't kind of continue the romance until later films so to that end i really like that we don't necessarily uh have that closure of the relationship yet it definitely sets up the subsequent third film where, you know, Tony has to separate, you know, is the suit more important or is him being Iron Man himself more important? And it, you know, so like committing to this relationship and, you know, the people he loves and his family or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, it kind of sets up that, you know, Tony kind of playing with him being Iron Man and how much he loves it and how much he's just kind of obsessed with it. And then the payoff kind of comes later, I guess, when they you know solidify the relationship. Yeah, I I think it's uh, I, I I love the relationship, and I'm glad that I'm glad that it went this way. I'm glad that they made this shift in their relationship and gave him the Pepper to kind of connect with, as opposed to like Pepper ending up with Happy, which I I think I mean I know it happened in the comics. I. I I feel like it wouldn't have ended up working as well here. And, you know, I haven't read all of the Iron Man comics. Does he ever end up kind of in a, in a real serious relationship at any point in his uh, in his run in all the comics that he's in? Do you know, Nick? There is relationship history between him and Pepper. And then it, it, it ends up going, you know, with Happy because, you know, Tony makes his own decisions and decides to go his own, his own way. And currently, yeah. in the current run or anything after that, no. He's just sort of been... He's been Iron Man, and that's that's been his thing. That's his relationship. Mm. He's married to the suit. Yeah. 
Interesting. It's interesting that they've kept it that way and that they haven't uh, uh, ever really kind of grown it into a thing. I, yeah, it's, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's not a lot of superheroes in comics. I mean, there's probably more that I'm thinking of that, that end up having like serious relationships, like marriage relationships that, uh, that they deal with. But maybe I'm misremembering that. Can you think of no, that? No, they're really aren't off the top of my head like it, and it seems dc kind of goes that route more than marvel because really the biggest relationship in all of marvel comics is the one between uh you know peter parker and mary jane like spider-man and, yeah. and his his wife girlfriend or you know depending on what era you're in and other than that there aren't there's notable love interests like with captain america and peggy carter or, or her niece as it you know later on down the road um maybe bruce banner and yeah, Bruce and Betty seem like yeah. like they're they're the, one that you think of. But I, what about the Fantastic Four? Fantastic Four, yeah, that's another good example. But you know, you go back to yeah. to, to DC, and, but they're both supers. Yes, I guess with real, normal people, yeah, that aren't yeah you're right, that's true. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to look at it that way. Which you know, I know this isn't the same movie, but you know, it's weird that Marvel didn't, or at least the Marvel universe, kind of ignored that whole betty banner relationship that is interesting i wonder if that's what the, something that they're pocketing for uh whatever is post end game that's good for good point they'll have to work yeah. that out with universal to get any more of that oh right oh, yeah, yeah. Ugh, what a mess they'll just get buy them <laughs> yeah they'll take care of them. <laughs> it'll be the disney Don't slash universal it. slash uh, 20th century fox <laughs> slash marvel yeah. slash muppets right. star wars <laughs> films i can't wait for all the cross everything else right. <laughs> cinematic universe <laughs> Yeah, Fozzie Bear is going to suit up with a lightsaber. Don't worry, it's we got it all worked out. Yeah, <laughs> Iron Man, uh, Tony yeah, Stark yeah. builds Darth Vader a new suit. <laughs> <laughs> now there's there's an interesting universe crossover, and it's all uh, nanobots. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't at least done that in the comics because they own all these comic book companies too. Yeah. That'd be a fun what if. That would be like the next level of what if, like starting to cross universes. Yeah. You know, yeah. they they own so many of them now. That would be really kind of fun to see what they could do there. Oh, especially, especially if they buy Universal. Oh, oh, this is it. That's the next ultimate what if. What if Disney, Marvel, 20th Century Fox buys Universal? <laughs> and I just want to see, like, it's just a half hour of boardroom negotiation. I can't wait. <laughs> Talking about what properties they get. And, yeah. Oh, my God. The Fast and the Furious uh, tied into the uh, the Star Wars Muppet right. universe. Right. <laughs> Star Wars Muppets in the universe. Hey, they got to bring back. Oh. Disney's dying to bring back the Muppets in a big way. So yeah, there you go. They're all CG, though. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see a CG Muppet. The idea of that just, you broke my brain just now. That's not something you should say. Andy, they did so well with Yoda. Come on, I know you love that so much. Yeah, we'll do the Yoda treatment on all the Muppets. Yeah. But then they did so good with Yoda in The Last Jedi. Yeah, they brought the Muppet back and it looked amazing. Uh, you know, they, they only went CG Yoda, I think, because they screwed it up so bad in the original release of Phantom Menace. Yeah. I don't know what that thing was on screen, but I'm really glad that they replaced it with the CG Yoda because that looks so much better. Oh, that yeah. was an abomination. abomination. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what they were thinking or why they designed it that way. Like, 
you know, it's like, don't you guys have the original model anywhere handy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> what? Does, yeah, maybe that was, and it just like deteriorated with age. <laughs> it could be. It's in, the, it's in the back of some like effects artist, like El Camino, you know, parked in the junkyard somewhere. They lost it. <laughs> I guess we'll have to do this one from memory, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's like they got a sketch artist who was drunk or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's based I on a police sketch. Spitting image. His forehead looked like Peyton Manning's. It was. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think we're derailing on our Iron Man conversation. Yeah. Um, which makes might speak to the fact that I don't know. Do we have much else to say about this one, or should we uh, close this one up and get ready for the next one? I'm ready for the next one. I'm I'm so ready for the next one. All right. Well, Nick, uh, would you like to tell everybody where they can find you out there on the internet? Oh yeah. So uh, go to www.fantasyflixleague.com. That's F L I X. Uh, so what it is, uh, it's been described to me. This is I love this description as indoor. Or it's fantasy football for indoor kids. So it allows you to, <laughs> you can create a movie, uh, you, you create a league like you would with fantasy football. You can invite friends and you draft movies and you get points based on box office score, uh, Metacritic rating, and uh, you can uh, trade your movies, you draft them. Uh, you can, it's completely free. So you can sign up at any time. And uh, the way it works is whenever you start your league, whatever movies haven't been released yet up to that point are available for draft. You guys can have a grand old time. It's definitely fun to get friends together like like we are now and uh, you know rib each other as you draft. Someone picks the Lego movie two for a first round pick or something like that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and uh, it's again completely free. So sign up. Awesome. Well, everybody, check that out. In the meantime, that's it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at thenextreel.com slash Patreon. Until next time, true believers, 